As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. J Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Welcome to Bird Night, part three. Woo! It, man, the fact that, I mean, how, how crazy is it? Has it really even sunk in for you that the Thunder won 40 games and are in the play-in tournament tonight? Tonight! Um, yeah. Yeah. It has. <laughs> <laughs> it's still kind of crazy to me. It's still kind of weird. I, I flipped on SportsCenter for the first time in years this morning. Yeah. And, like, just to see Shay as, like, a part of their preview was just, yeah, for like, sure. wow. No, this is crazy. Uh, something we're going to do later is uh, I went back and listened to our preseason pods. And I will say, listening to those was uh, helpful just to like put me back in the mindset that we all were in at that point. Because, um, you, you know, you guys gave like win predictions and things like that. And so uh, that did kind of give me some perspective on how far this team has come. And honestly, I feel good about the fact that if you look, you know, we, we felt so bad about those two games, the Charlotte and the uh, Pacers game. Yeah. But I think if they were 42 and 40, they still wouldn't hold the tiebreaker over either Minnesota or New Orleans. So it didn't matter in the end. Didn't matter. Didn't so matter. That, that makes me feel better, too. Because I, I really stress. wanted to go back and be like, if we had just won those two games, we would be the fifth seed. But that's not the case. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with how things turned out. I mean, that would have been crazy to finish with 42 wins or even 500. Um, yeah. Just as like a, you know, just like a, as a solid marker that you can point to. But yeah, 40 wins is super impressive. And, you know, I would say the strongest 10th seed we've seen, Andrew. 
I know yeah. that Charlotte had a better record last year. They were 43 and 39. I looked it up. Yeah, but come uh, on. But, come on. Yeah, this team has a better net rating, better yeah. SRS. They're yeah, just yeah, a better yeah. team. Yeah. Um, so you got to throw all those records out the window because I did look them up and 10 seeds are 0 and 4, have never won a game. But throw those out the window because this is the best 10th seed we've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about that they that they are that. Um, how are you feeling about the matchup tonight overall? What are your what's your like what's your gut feeling here? Uh, my gut feeling is loss, um, but I'm also open. Uh, you know, I would say I'm like sixty sixty five thirty five right now in favor of the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking on cleaning glass, just going back through all their four matchups against the Pelicans. Now I know that like you know Zion played in one. Brandon Ingram didn't play in a couple, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to see if there were any trends over those games. And uh, obviously the first one that stood out is that all these games have been disgusting offensively for yeah. both teams. Yeah. The best offensive rating in any of these four games for either team was the most recent game in early March. The Thunder had an offensive efficiency of 110.1 points per 100 possessions, which, to put that in context, is like an average Houston Rockets game. And that was the best offense we've seen from the either of these two teams in their four matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, so all, the games have been ugly so far. And we know that. I mean, just thinking back to the Pelicans game, just the way they play defensively tends to lead to really gross games. Yeah. Um, now, they've all been super close, so they've all been entertaining in that way. But this hasn't been like a, an offensive display at any point for either team. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that was Jose Alvarado, who is out. Yep. You know, he, he contributed to that a lot. Um, the other thing, though, that popped up that was very consistent across all four games was that OKC was very, very good at generating turnovers against New Orleans. Yeah. Like, very good. Just going by game by game, the percentile they were in, 98th percentile, 94th percentile, 84th percentile, 97th percentile. They generated turnovers better against this team than almost any other team in the league. Now, Mm -hmm. I say almost because uh, they're two best games in terms of (laughs) turning the ball over. Do you know what team that would have been against? Celtics? Houston. Oh, which makes sense. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. But so I guess what I'm thinking is like, okay. They've been very consistent with generating turnovers against this Pelicans team. If they can do that and just match it with a solid night of shooting, it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be a solid night. I think they can get the win. But they really need that because they shot the ball really poorly in three of those four matchups. And the one matchup they shot it well was the game they won. Yeah. Every other game, terrible. Like Of their bottom 24 worst shooting performances this season, Three of them came against New Orleans, and they were all 32% or worse mm-hmm. in those three games yeah. from three. So I think if you can get a combination of a good shooting night, which we've had random good shooting nights, and then continue to turn the ball over and try to get out and transition to kind of offset the half-court disgustingness that happens on both ends, mm-hmm. I think that would probably be the recipe for success. But it is very scary because you're on the road – First time playing in like a really meaningful game against a good team and with the chance to win. Cause I mean, they paid, they played really well against the Warriors and the Suns coming down the stretch, but didn't win either of those. Yeah. 
Then they win that game against the Jazz, but of course they're sitting everyone. Mm-hmm. They win the game against the Grizzlies. It's must win, but like ended up not really being that kind of a game. Mm-hmm. So this is really the biggest game of consequence, biggest stage we've ever seen from this team. So I'm interested to see, you know, who steps up, who doesn't, and do we talk about that person the rest of the summer? Got to get them out of here. <laughs> I, I'm interested too. Uh, big discouraging stat if you're uh, into that kind of thing. Yeah. The uh the last 10 games of the season, the Pelicans are third in net rating. Yeah, and that was with now now some of those games ended up being not as scary as they initially looked, but overall their end of season schedule was very good too. Yeah. Yeah, they've played they played really well down the stretch of the season and it's with largely this team. I mean, they beat the Knicks, they beat the Grizzlies, they beat the Clippers, they beat the Nuggets. And a lot of these are blowouts. They blew out Portland. I mean, that's part of why they ended up with like this great net rating. It's like they blew out Charlotte. They blew out San Antonio. They blew out the Clippers. They blew out uh, Portland. You know, the loss. The, they had three losses to Golden State, Sacramento, and then obviously that one to Minnesota. So. You know, having that many blowouts toward the end of the season kind of inflates that number quite a bit, while the Thunder just played close games, you know, night after night. Yes, nonstop. Miserable, terrifying close games. Yeah, so that, I mean, that certainly hurts them. They did get five days of rest, which I think is helpful. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's the the longest rest since the All-Star break. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's nice. That played, is something. They played a grueling March. It was I think they played the most games of anybody in March. They played 17 games in March, which is insanity. <laughs> I mean, that's absolute insanity. And if you look at just the the ball handlers for New Orleans, like they really like who do you trust that like plays big minutes for them? I mean, the only guy off the bench for them is Josh Richardson, and then it's CJ and BI. You know, those are like their main ball handlers. And so, yeah, it's not that that just makes it a little bit tougher where OKC is going to play like th- three guys that I think you really trust. Where I mean, they're going to put a lot of trust in Josh Richardson just because I don't think they're going to play like Dyson Daniels or Kyra Lewis or Garrett Temple, you know. But I think I feel a little bit better about the guys that are going to have the ball in their hands for OKC than I would for New Orleans. Definitely. And as scary as B.I. is, um, the fact that their ball handlers are a little bit more limited overall, I mean, that probably contributes on their end why their offensive efficiency has been so poor mm-hmm. against OKC. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm obviously ready for anything, Andrew. I'm ready for anything anything to happen as we saw last night you cannot predict the play in oh my gosh i mean both games i i was i don't know if i should say i was impressed i was i thought it was a nice win for atlanta yeah considering all they've been through they were up there with some of the like worst vibe teams in the league Mm -hmm. even and i thought quinn snyder coming in was gonna they were gonna get like a coach bump you know and start playing a little bit better it didn't really happen nope but for them to go into that game against Miami, against a team that destroyed them last year yeah. in the playoffs, and get that win, you know, regardless of what happens to Boston, I thought that was a really nice win and a nice kind of send-off 
for them to go into what is probably going to be a very busy summer. Mm-hmm. So I was very impressed with that. And then the Lakers Wolves game was just immaculate. I mean, oh my it was. Gosh. The, I don't know if there's a team in the league that can swing so wildly between two extremes more than the Wolves, like in a single game. Yeah. Because the Wolves through three quarters, there are times when the Wolves just look unbeatable. And it reminded me of the Grizzlies series in the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. where there were multiple times during that series where I was thinking, like, I think the Wolves might just be the better team. Yeah. I think, I think they're just better than the, the Grizzlies. I know. But then they would just have these – they flip a switch, the wrong switch, and they just start playing some of the dumbest basketball you've ever seen. And it happened again last night. Just like terrible turnovers, a terrible sh- shot selection, like Cat completely disappearing after being amazing through three quarters. Anthony Edwards didn't really have a good game the entire time. But they they must be such a frustrating team to follow as a fan because they tease you so much. And then when the collapse comes, I mean, there's the stat about they've given up uh, the second most 10-point leads in the fourth quarter. Yeah. The only team that's given up more is Portland. And that kind of speaks to how they swing between these two extremes. But that that was a very entertaining game. And I... It, you know, before, I would have thought, oh, man, with Steven Adams out, Lakers size like I probably would lean Lakers and then just watching the Lakers last night it's just like is this team any good yeah is it like are the Grizzlies significantly better than the Lakers I don't know that was the that was the only game that made me like kind of rethink what that potential playoff matchup would be like I know there's been a lot of people hyping the Lakers and you watch that game last night and you're like they just win that game by accident did they just like win that game because the Wolves just forgot how to score for know, like seven minutes. And usually you can just kind of a lot of times when the Lakers would like come close but fail, like in the game against the Clippers, that was like a huge pivotal game for their mm-hmm. playoff hopes. You can just kind of write it off. You know, sure. you can just be like, wow, it's still the regular season. Like, okay, now it is like do or die time. <laughs> like, why are we still playing like this, Lakers? Like, why is LeBron, why is he not ramped it up defensively yet? Is this is this going to be the LeBron that we get? Because if that's the LeBron we get, I don't know why I should be confident about them against the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was very entertaining. Yeah. A plus. I, yeah. I mean, you had like the sliding foul by LeBron. You had like the backcourt violation by <laughs> Kyle Anderson. You had... Schroeder finally yeah. getting that three, and then they LeBron and Schroeder did like the choreographed ice in the veins thing. Yes. It's just, it's like. You had Taurine Prince throw on. that pass that was maybe 10 feet above whoever was oh in the corner gosh. that he was throwing it to. And then you had AD fouling a three point <laughs> shooter. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And by then, the way, that was, that was an, inc- I forget who the inbounder was, but that was like a great pass. And I almost wish Conley had taken an extra second because he had 1.4 seconds. But again, AD is coming at you, so you kind of feel like you have to get it off immediately. How do you not cover Mike Conley, who's basically the only guy who hit threes all night? I know. Six for eight from three. And you're and just like, yeah, we'll open. leave that guy in the corner. In the corner? <laughs> it's like, come on. I mean, that was just – it It was an abomination. Then he I loved got, it. It was, it was such a disastrous game. What a complete disaster. Uh, hey, hey, real quick, back on the Hawks game. Mm-hmm. You know, some Thunder fans' favorite, John Collins, had a very nice game. He had a couple of clutch plays there at the end. Yeah. That, that play he had when he, like, uh, was falling out of bounds and then bounced past it 
to Sadiq Bay yeah. underneath the hoop. That was really impressive. He got he helped seal the game for them. Yeah. He's how, great. How are you feeling right now if you're a Detroit fan with Sadiq Bay? I mean Sadiq Bay actually played pretty well for the Hawks last night. Well, you know, it's not like you gave him up for nothing, Angie. You did get James Wiseman back. Yep. I've, the postmaster. You feeling good? Um I mean I I get it in the sense that he's up for an extension. And so if you've decided you're not going to pay that guy, mm-hmm. but you look at their team going forward, it's like, well, I mean, there's not a ton of you know huge contracts on this team. Yeah. I mean, they were willing to give Marvin Bagley three years guaranteed. Give They're willing to, to pay James Wiseman $12 million for, I think, an, or another year. Maybe he's up for extension this summer. Um, yeah, he's up for extension. Other than, other than that, it's Bogdanovich. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't like be crushed, but I would feel a little twinge of pain just seeing my guy who's been on this tanking team doing big, doing doing nice things in a playing game, like in, in a game that matters. Yeah, played thirty three minutes for them. They, I mean, they obviously trust him to be out. He's there. big too. Yeah, I just I just don't like the trading a, a wing for a big proposition. You know. It, what about when you just drafted a big, and you are and you have another big that you just gave uh, three guaranteed years to? What about then? And also, you were trying to get the number one pick where the number one pick is a big. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't um, they, uh, yeah, like they. I they gotta think get a coach. Year were, they gotta get a new coach. Great. They're gonna get a new coach. I thought their picks this year were great. Yeah, I like Jalen Duran. Yeah. I like Jaden Ivey. Yeah. So Cade's going to come back healthy. Maybe everything works out. I do think they have like the talent there, um, but they're still in like the figuring it out period. I mean, like Ivy and Cade have to play together more than 10 They're going games into year five of this rebuild. Well, it's year four, if we're being fair, because Weaver wasn't there the first year. Pistons fans always want to remind you of that. But what does that matter? It doesn't, I mean, the re, that's, there's still a year that the rebuild is going on. I think I think there's a year in fans' heads because they had to experience that year. But in in Weaver's argument would be like my reign didn't start till I drafted Killian Hayes, which he probably wouldn't want to say That's that. That's not either. a sentence you want to say. Yeah, but yeah, I I think it was on Bill Simmons' uh, podcast where they they picked Detroit as the most deserving team. I think to get Wemby seriously. Um, which I thought was confusing. I oh, mean, I don't like to do the deserving or non-deserving because yeah, that's weird. No, obviously none of these teams <laughs> deserve Wembenyama. Wembenyama is going to like completely change these franchises, and none of them deserve it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I don't know if I had a pick for that, other than our hometown team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have exceeded expectations, who bucked the trend of tanking. Everyone thought they were going to tank, including all of us. And they deserve him, Andrew. Jumping up to the top four. Let's go. That's right. The The Pistons haven't won a playoff series since 2008. Yeah, I only know that because uh, I love reading the replies to James Edwards' uh, tweets. Because <laughs> Pistons fans constantly bring that up anytime he like tries to you know give a nuanced answer about like when this rebuild started or something yeah um and they're like they're about to turn the corner you'll always see that reply um and then i sent you (laughs) the one yesterday where the guy just sent a page of lyrics that all just said please shut up please shut up please shut up (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, they've had eight, just, they've had eight different coaches since in between like winning a playoff round. It, yeah, it's rough, and yeah. and I I totally get it from James's perspective and from Troy Weaver's perspective. But when you're a fan in that situation, like you've been there the whole time. Yeah. So like you have all that baggage coming with you. And yeah, you you know that you're in like this new rebuild, but you still had to experience everything else. So it's it, you still remember that you haven't won a playoff series since 2008. You can't just forget that. Yeah. So I totally get why Pistons fans are are antsy. Yeah, this is four years of 20, 23 wins is the most they had, which was last year. This year of 17 was the least amount that they've had. Is it maybe ever? It might be ever. In franchise history? In franchise history. Yeah, I posted that thing yesterday looking at the worst three-year stretches um, because that I was counting three years because that's when Troy Weaver came in. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being the 18th worst in NBA history. Now, like four of those were Vancouver. <laughs> no one... I, I, I would like a documentary about Vancouver. Like how that failed? Oh, I, I, I have a pretty good idea why it failed. I mean, just looking at the wins losses like yeah. what fan base could withstand five straight years of truly terrible basketball like they had so i yeah. I, I actually get that but i just don't understand why they were so bad why why could they never i mean there were they had four of the entries in the bottom 18 for worst three year stretchers now they they all were overlapping each other mm-hmm. um but good lord yeah it's rough process was number two wow yeah the yeah this that's it's the worst year in franchise history for the pistons yeah even back way back to the uh fort wayne pistons oh wow the 40s and 50s were never this bad um yeah i mean in terms of teams who have pressure on them this summer Mm -hmm. i would rank it as portland number one Detroit number two, Houston number three. Mm-hmm. The only reason I put Houston number three is what we're kind of talking about. Like they were in the playoffs a couple of years ago. They're putting pressure on themselves too, though. They are for sure, but they still have a runway a, a little bit. Whereas I feel like Detroit has to be better. Yeah. Detroit needs to be, I mean, they, they were, as we've talked about, they were the highest over under team among all these bad teams going into the season. Mm-hmm. People thought if you were taking the over, most bet over, you thought they're going to win 30 games. Yeah. So they need to be up by like they need to be up in like the thirty-five win range, fighting for a play-in spot next year. Whereas if like the the Rockets are like twenty-seven wins, I don't like whatever. What's funny though is like they are the Rockets are just so funny because they one anybody who is going to possibly interview for this job is being leaked like immediately, you know. Yeah, I was I was very surprised that the Nick Nurse thing is like so well known. Yeah, well, that's probably it's coming from somebody within the Rockets that are just like, hey, like we're just going to put out there every single thing. We're also going to tell everybody that like, hey, the losing is over. We're gonna we're gonna end the losing now for Houston this summer with free agency, and it's like this might be one of the worst free agent classes ever. <laughs> and like they're really just betting on James Harden coming back. Um, it's uh, yeah, man, it's it is so weird. It is. Maybe it goes well, but boy, like their process behind it is just really ugly and really strange. Um, have you seen the injury report for Thunder Pelicans? Uh, no. 
So for the Pelicans, obviously you have Zion and Jose Alvarado, EJ Liddell are out. But uh, Larry Nance Jr. is questionable with ankle soreness tonight, which is kind of a big mm. deal because he was the big off the bench that played against Minnesota. Uh, and then for the Thunder, Poku is officially out, and then their two-way guys can't play in the uh, the play-in game. Um, and then obviously you have your uh, your Kenrich Williams, and uh, they listed Chet Holmgren is out as well. So, oh, I, for- I forgot about the two-way thing. So no Jared Butler tonight, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed, no Jared Butler. Yeah, they can't can't play in the game because they're not eligible. That's the funny thing is like so many people are in my mentions. Like the the plan isn't the postseason, you know. And it's like, well, I called it the postseason because, yes, it actually is the postseason. Yeah, it is the postseason. When it's not do, the playoffs. When does it happen? It happens after the season, post the season. I didn't say playoffs. So it's just, it's just funny the amount of people who are like, it's not the postseason, man. It's like, well, if it wasn't the postseason, why are, my, why are the G League guys ineligible to play? That's right. Yeah, no. And uh, so, so that means that if we need some bounds at some point in this game – we can't throw in Olivier Sar, is that what you're telling me? No Sar time. Wow. No Sar time. Damn. It's uh it's just uh nobody. Yeah, so if yeah, I heard I, I was listening to your pod yesterday. So if Valentunis doesn't play a ton of minutes again, which has kind of been the trend in mm-hmm. these matchups against OKC, mm-hmm. it sounds like uh, Jackson Hayes will be the most likely big off the bench who he's had good games against the Thunder. He had a but, great game against the Thunder, yeah. Yeah, so he he would be probably the big off the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I would assume that would be the case, and that's a that's a pretty like boom or bust proposition. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, of all the, obviously Zion missing is huge, but Jose Alvarado not being there is pretty big because it's we're all focused deal. on like Shea. Yeah, um, and who's going to be guarding Shea? And obviously, he's another body you can throw at Shea. Mm-hmm. But when they're able to roll out, you know, like. Jose Alvarado, Josh Richardson, and Herb Jones mm-hmm. at the same time and have one of those guys on basically all of OKC's ball handlers, Yep, that is kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could probably switch all of those. So that, that feels big to me. Yeah. Yeah, it is big. Yeah, especially if like Nance can't go and yeah. Alvarado can't go. I mean, the, the Thunder are getting a lot of external help here. You know, as they have gotten. Hey, they, shout out to shout out to the Dallas Mavericks for giving us an extra couple days of rest. Yeah, for our guys. Yeah, Shay Shay needs it. Now the Thunder are are having some of the most intense practices that they've had all you know since basically training camp. Um, yeah, that that will be kind of interesting. Um, I'm obviously I'm not like a great X's and O's guys, but I, I'm interested to see the people who are if they're able to pick out any like new stuff that. Uh, Mark adds just for this game, mm-hmm. or like, or like how he approaches this game, because this is the most time they've had to prepare for a game since All Star break. Which I'm assuming you don't like treat that next game after All Star break like it's a huge playoff matchup, right? So, th- yeah, that that's going to be one of the funnest things about this game. Yeah, I mean, and the thing about it is like you're not holding anything back. Like in a playoff series, like you probably hold like a few wrinkles back until you get later in the series. Yeah, how, how many how many minutes do you think Shea will play tonight? I mean, I'd play him forty five. Oh my! 
I'd play. I, I, I'd how, play okay, how many guys on the roster do you think will play more than five minutes? I think eight. Eight. Okay. I don't. I don't think they should play more than that, and unless things are, if they play more than that, it's either things have gone so right or so wrong. Yeah. You know. And you, you're. Are you thinking uh, Joe and Sarich? Joe and Sarich and um, Wiggs. And Wiggs, yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, there's really nobody else that I'm like, you really need to give this guy a shot. I mean, maybe Lindy would be the other one where you just yeah. throw another shooting wing out there and just see what he can do. But, I mean, I'm not throwing 19-year-old Usman Jang out there. No offense to Us. You don't want to get some Oos minutes? No Oos minutes. I'm not throwing Jeremiah Robinson Earl out there. Um, Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not throwing Trey Mann out there. It's just give me those wings. And, like, the guys that are going to have the ball in their hands are Shea, Giddy, and J-Dub. And it's like, and let's just see what those guys can do. And Lugans. And Dort. <laughs> I mean, Dort will be a part of this too you know it will be he, he will be a part of this hey uh shout out to lou dort who you know i know we want him to take more of a backseat than he has mm-hmm. and i think that's on its way i think that's going to happen just naturally but you know j dub and giddy ended up being having uh better scoring numbers than than him this year and he's a guy that had has had a ton of volume over like the past several years and mostly just out of necessity but it's the it's his second least amount of points per game in his career next to his rookie season um so and i expect that to even go down again next year as they integrate chet and you know i i think that that is just going to happen naturally. But yeah, tonight um, we talked about this with McKellie. I talked about this yesterday with a bunch of people. Thanks again to everybody uh, for coming on and for everybody for listening and uh, promoting that pod yesterday that included lots of different people. Um, it was really fun to do. It took a ton of time, but it was really fun to get the perspective of lots of different people. But um, I'm just so intrigued to see how the Thunder integrate all the pieces because it's so easy for the Pelicans to just say, you know what, Lou and Giddy, we don't really care at all if you guys are standing by the three-point line. (laughs) In fact, that's where we want you to be. And if you guys stand there, um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to make it easier for us defensively to cover you guys. So you guys just stay over there and uh, we'll, we'll pack the paint and we'll we'll give you guys a soft close out you know if you guys get the ball and if you make it who cares you know i don't know how mark's going to integrate those guys and if they you know put giddy more into like the you know up in like a horns action i don't know what they're going to do but i just i'm intrigued to see cuz i just don't think it's sustainable for shay or for the thunder offense to just have those guys sitting on the perimeter so over under Combined three-point attempts from Giddy and Dort. Oh, if I boy. set it at ten and a half, are you going over or under? 
ten and a half. Yeah. I'll probably say over. <laughs> you sounded so sad saying over. <laughs> I just think it's going to be there. And I'll probably I, say over. I just don't think either of those guys are going to be scared tonight. Like, I think Giddy is is built for a game like this where he's just going to be ultra competitive. Like he, that was like one of the reasons why the Thunder loved him initially. It was just his level of competitiveness. Um, and then Dort is like never afraid of anything. You know, he's not going to shy away from taking shots, which is like a really, it's a, honestly, it's a really good thing. And then it can also be a really bad thing. Um, but I, I think those guys will take the open shot. And you want them to do that. You don't want them to like stall the offense out and record scratch and in the possession in like a gross way. Like you'd rather them just shoot the open shots and let it fall as it will. You know, I had this stat on the show yesterday and then also shared on the Dream Team yesterday, but in games this season where Dort shoots six or more threes, the Thunder are 18 and 21, which is like when he shoots a lot of threes, it doesn't necessarily determine the outcome right. of the yeah. game. Um, I was a little surprised by that. I thought it would be a little bit more skewed, but like the truth is it it doesn't really matter the amount that he takes. And in fact, like when he takes like nine or more threes, the Thunder actually, he's only done that three times. They're two and one. So it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world for Lou Dort to take the open three for this team. I mean, that's just what the stats tell us that it's well, not necessarily it's, as it's bad one of as those, we think. It contributes to that stat that I was kind of following the whole season about how much better they perform than the rest of the league when they had games where they shot really poorly. Yeah. Um, they were just good at figuring out how to win some of those games. Like, I'm looking at it right now. So, this is just the number of games they won when they shot below 30%. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They won eight games when they shot under 30%, which I can already tell you is a league leading. Yeah. That's, um, that's because I remember really looking gross. at the stat overall for the league. And no one was even close to the Thunder. So they have somehow figured out a way to win, even when their shot isn't falling. And sometimes when it's falling, terribly. I mean, they had that game against the Clippers. This is like the greatest one mm -hmm. because it matched what they did against the Pacers where they shot four for 30. They also shot four for 30 against the Clippers early in the season and actually won a game by 14 points hmm. somehow. Um, so yeah, it's not like they definitely have to, to do it, but... If they do shoot well and they continue what they do in terms of generating turnovers, I do think they will win. Yeah. Now, they could still win other ways, but if they do those two things and lose, I would be pretty surprised. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Wiggins has played 30 minutes or more in six games. What do you think their record is in those six games? Uh, six games? Mm -hmm. Eight no. In six games? They win yeah. eight? Yeah, they went two eight. bonus wins. It's actually six and zero. <laughs> I was pretty close. I got the losses correct. <laughs> they won all of them, and here's the teams that they beat: they beat Cleveland, Detroit, Boston, Golden State, Toronto, and the Clippers. Yeah, other than Detroit, all the rest of those teams are. I mean, those are all good teams. Yeah, where you'd want to be playing your best guys. Yeah, and obviously, like those are. Just, I mean, it's all circumstantial. 
You know, you can't like bank mm. that. But mm. play Aaron Wiggins. Play the uh, yeah. The the circumstances that Aaron Wiggins is uh, one of the best players, most <laughs> important players on the team. That's what the circumstances. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. So, oh, how about this one? When Aaron Wiggins takes eleven or more shots in a game, what's the Thunder's record? That's it. That's also in six games. Uh, I'll also go eight and zero. Uh, they are five and one when Aaron Wiggins mm. takes eleven or more shots. In a game, interesting, interesting. I cut that off because when he takes ten or more, they've lost. They are six. Wait, no, no, no. Yeah, six and four. When he six takes ten four. or more, okay. so, so he has to get over ten. So we got to do eleven. We got to get to eleven for us to feel good. So if if Wiggs can play more than thirty minutes and shoot more than eleven shots. Feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Well, honestly, this this is one of my thoughts with like him versus Dort. Like, obviously, Dort is a much better defensive player. Mm-hmm. But the thing I do like about Wiggins is that the types of shots he's generating, you need someone like that on the court at all yeah. times. Now, Dort can generate those shots too, but he's not as good. Like, Dort is not as good cutting. He's not. He is not good around the rim. He's not. Wiggins is good at those things. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of player when you have all these ball handlers that you kind of need as that final piece on the court with them. And he's just bigger and taller and longer arms. You know, he's 6'6", six, six, yeah. not 6'3". And you know? that actually worries me more about Dort long-term than his shooting. It's like, yeah. because when he's in this smaller role, the type of shots he's going to need to be getting are the type of shots that Aaron Wiggins is getting right now. Yeah. And Wiggins has just been better at converting those shots. So, whatever. That's that's a story for another day, Andrew. Whatever. <laughs> uh do you want to do season in review? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's take a break and then we'll do season in review. We'll be right back after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, let's let's answer this question real quick. This is from Michael McAfee in the chat. Uh, for, former Panther, Michael McAfee. Um, Andrew, you referenced how Giddy is going to compete hard in the playoffs. What do you expect from him tonight? Uh, I, I, ex- I expect Giddy to bring it tonight. I expect him to, you know, this is the first time that these guys are like, all eyes on the thunder on the national stage. You know, it was, this is probably the, this, I mean, the other, the other time that happened was against the Lakers when LeBron was going for, um, the scoring record. But that night was just so much more about LeBron than it was the thunder. Yeah. And so it's kind of whatever, but this night is going to be, if the thunder win, like they did against the Lakers in that game, I mean, it's going to be all about the Thunder, you know, and these guys know that. And so I, I, I don't know how they'll play. I don't know how this all plays out for them, but I do think, like, the guys that I trust to really bring it, like Shea and Giddy and Dort, are probably, like, the, the top three that I think will not be scared of the moment kind of thing, that they will all bring it um, in a pretty big way. Um, I... I tried to. I asked Tyler Parker this question yesterday. Like, who are the who are like the, your top five players that you trust the most in this game? Um, who yeah. would you have on that list? Uh, it probably doesn't go to five if I'm talking about genuinely trusting them. But uh, in terms of what I trust them to bring, just energy wise, not necessarily production, but just like not going to wilt in the moment. Yeah. it would be Shea, Giddy, Dort. Wiggins, okay, and J Dub, J Dub, yeah, I'm. I, I can get to five. I'm very interested in how J Dub plays tonight because he's actually played pretty well against the Pels, and so if he can if he can bring it tonight, I'm feeling pretty good about the Thunder's chances in this. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm very intrigued to see how this goes tonight. I don't I don't have like a a strong feeling either way. You know, if I were to if I were to bet or like make like a true prediction, I would probably pick the Pelicans just because it's at home for them. And traditionally in these 9-10 matchups, it favors the home team. And it should, but also like you said, I mean, it was the the Spurs who were 14 games below 500 that were in the 10th seed last year. So this is this is a different animal 
Yeah, the last two seasons. I mean, the Spurs with. and the Hornets, this is the first time we have not had the Spurs or the Hornets as the 10th seed in either conference. Yeah. Um, and outside of last year's Hornets team, who did win 43 games, the other three times there's been a 10th seed, they've all won around 33 or 34 games. Yeah. Um, yeah, the spread is currently plus 5.5 for OKC. Yeah. They're, they're getting five and a half points. I saw that. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I went back and listened to all of our preseason pods because did you, did you enjoy that. Did you enjoy the listen? Uh, actually, I really did. So the <laughs> the one the fry pod that went off the rails. Yeah. Um, I listened to that on two times speed, and it was extremely funny. Yeah. Because Luke just kept yelling, "What do you want to bet? What do you want to bet?" Over and over again. <laughs> And uh, listening at two times speed was really funny. Uh, so I went back and listened to all the bold predictions that we made. Because, you know, we make these bold predictions, and then they just go out into the ether, yeah. and no one remembers them, brings them back up again. Yep. So why not review them, see how everyone did? So I, lo- I listened to both the pod we did with yep. Michele, yep. and then also the Fry pod. Mm-hmm. Okay? So Michele, Josh Giddy will have at least 10 triple-doubles and 25-plus double-doubles. I went along with that, said Josh Giddy will lead the league in triple doubles. Mm. His total this season, Andrew, do you know? Is it like three? Four. Four. He yeah. tied with Westbrook for seventh most. Wow. Uh Jokic had a season or a career high twenty-nine yeah. triple doubles, and then it was Sabonis at fourteen. Mm-hmm. However, the second part of that prediction from McKellay, 25-plus double-doubles, he had 28 Wow, a lot of double-dubs. So we'll give uh, McKellay half point on that. There we go. Half point. There we go. Um, so this is going to be a theme. And probably the biggest uh, takeaway from listening to these pods was how high everyone was on Trey Mann. Mm. Everyone. McKellay. McKellay. He was Smart a guy. Huge Trey Mann guy. Trey Mann will average 16 points per game, average six and a half threes per game, meaning like attempts. Your immediate response was six and a half three attempts per game. Isn't that spicy? Yeah. <laughs> That's how we were thinking. He attempted 3.8 threes per game. He averaged uh, 7.7 points per game. Taylor said that Trey Mann would average 18 points per game, 47% from the field, 40% from three. I mean, we were so high on Trey Mann, and it is is kind of it was useful to go back and listen to that because mm-hmm. it switched within like two weeks, and we've never really gotten back to that level. Yeah, the, I mean, we talked about him way more than we were talking about J Dub. Yeah, we, we actually were talking about Trey Mann as that kind of third piece, offensive piece, you know, behind Shea and Giddy. It was going to be Trey Mann, and it was almost kind of like universal. Among everyone, he was really good down the stretch, and then there was there was legitimate hype for him at Media Day from the other from the players and like people around the and team. We bought it hook, line, and sinker. We really did. I mean, it's uh, feel like a big dum dum, you know. It's okay. I mean, he he was. I remember him being good in the preseason, and then like his first couple games, he was just showing a lot, and then yeah. I mean, remember Shea went. sat out. Because he had that, was it a hip contusion or something or whatever it was? And Trey was like basically their guy who stepped up to score the points for them. And I mean, you look at him post All Star break last year, 
he was 15, almost 16, 5 and 3 last yeah. season. You know, shooting 35% from 3 and 88% from the line. I mean, you just thought like, okay, like if he can bring this um well, even if you look at his first deal. 5 games of this season, he was almost 15 points, 14.8, uh 3 rebounds, 3 assists. Yeah. So through that first couple of weeks, we were feeling like, okay, here it comes. He's turned the corner. Uh, hey, I, I, you keep keep talking. I've got to I've got to hop off for just like one second. Okay. Uh, the next bowl prediction from McKelle: Russell Westbrook will have a borderline All Star year. Now, depending on how wide uh, you consider borderline to be, this technically could be correct. Uh, obviously, had a much improved season after getting traded. Um, but I don't know if I can give McKelle any points for saying Russell Westbrook will have a borderline all-star year. Uh, at some point, once you get down the list of names, you would eventually have to consider Russell Westbrook. But uh, my criteria for borderline is a little more narrow. Uh, McKelle also said Miles Turner will get traded to Charlotte for Mark Williams, super specific, and the Pacers will be the worst team in the league. This thinking was not... Uh, abnormal at that time i was thinking the pacers might be the worst team in the league turned out that they were pretty solid listen to this next one from mckelly actually i'm going to save this one for when andrew gets back he also said uh jason tatum will win mvp okay getting to mine sga will be the only thunder player to score more than 15 points per game unfortunately it was two josh giddy i guess fortunately Josh Giddy was the only other one. He scored 16.6, so it actually wasn't that close. But I was on the right track. Just the idea that there were going to be multiple guys. Of course, I thought one of them was going to be Trey Mann, who scored between like 10 and 15 points per game. We did have a lot of guys in that range with J-Dub and Dort, but Giddy was the one that kind of boosted that. Okay, Dallas Mavericks are a playing team. I'm going to give myself half credit for that. Okay, Half credit, half point for that. No, they were not a playing team. They were actually worse than that, but that was pretty good. And then Minnesota will be the number one seed in the West. I'm going to give myself a negative one point for that because uh, that was uh, about as bad of a prediction as you can make. It was bold, though. And then final one, I said Dwayne Casey with the first coach to be fired. I think I was on the right track with this. It just turns out that the Detroit franchise loved getting fired, let go, but he's now moving into their – um, front office. So he was never probably going to be the first coach fired just because Detroit loves him so much, even though their season did play out kind of how I thought it was going to play out. So not giving myself any points. Um, Andrew, I wanted to wait till you were back. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of McKellie's predictions. If you remove the tanking teams, Portland is the next team. They are the oh. most likely of the next group to miss the play-in. Wow, that's a good that's one. That's a... We're giving him full point for that. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, so he ended up with uh, one and a half points. What you missed was him saying that Russell Westbrook would be a borderline all-star. Nope. Okay. Uh, mine that I haven't brought up yet. This was the one I was feeling best about. OKC will finish top half in three-point percentage. Yeah, I remember that. They finished the season at 17th. Wow. So close, but I don't get any points. 35.6%. The teams in front of them... Other playing teams, Chicago Bulls and the New Orleans Pelicans, those are the wow. two teams they would have had to jump. It wasn't close enough where I could like kind of pretend because mm-hmm. they were above 36%. Okay, Andrew, your predictions. Mm-hmm. 
Poku is going to shoot 39% from three this season. Yeah. If you had just pulled off the gas a little bit. I know. Because he ends up shooting 36.5%. If you had said 37%, I might have given it to you rounding up. Yeah. It was that, it was very bold. You guys, I remember you guys were so dismissive. You guys just thought I was the dumbest person to ever live. Uh, I still think it's pretty dumb, um, but I have to admit he did significantly improve as a shooter. He got a lot closer than anyone would have thought. That is correct. Your second prediction, I don't know where this even came from. Uh-huh. You said Lou Dort will average 20 points per game. That was one of your bold predictions. Really? Yeah, isn't that weird? doesn't sound like something you would say. That's, but you did. That is a. I mean, I guess I was just going for bold. And you both, were for both. This of next those. one. This was your best call. Uh huh. You said Aaron Wiggins will play more minutes than Poku and Bays, and you immediate, and and somebody said combined, and you said no, 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 not combined. That would be crazy. Guess what? Is it combined? Yes. Aaron Wiggins played twelve hundred ninety-seven minutes. Poku plus Baisley played twelve hundred fifty-six minutes. Wow. Wow. Uh, which I thought was great. I've, I've been a Wiggs believer for a while, man. Uh, you have. So I'm going to give you uh, one point for that. Okay. Very good. Uh, Taylor. Taylor's bold predictions. Chet will play 25 games. Now, I think even if they make a run to the playoffs and start playing him tonight and win the finals, I don't know if he can get to 25 games. Maybe he could, actually. Yeah. So I guess this is – I shouldn't count this out yet – um, Taylor picked the Lakers to win the championship. Maybe he's still feeling good about that. The it's Lakers. not dead. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. He said Minnesota will trade Cat and D'Lo this season. He got that half right. He got a half right, half point, half point. And then his the I think this was the <laughs> the funniest both prediction. He randomly says at the very end of the pod, Jamal Mosley, Coach of the Year. <laughs> Just that like is- a really like boring random bold prediction <laughs> the, the bold prediction that no one has ever cared about yeah uh okay now we get to jay jay's okay. bold prediction let's hear it first one the thunder will have five plus players who shoot 40 percent from three now he almost got this there were four players but what is funny is that he named his five guesses and none of them were the guys who actually <laughs> shot 40 percent. his five guesses were muscala makes sense but yeah. had a down year yeah. Lindy Waters, okay. SGA, Trey Mann, of course, uh-huh. and then Lou Dort or Jerry. It doesn't matter because neither of them did it. Yeah. The guys who actually shot 40% from three, Jared Butler, Isaiah Joe, Jalen Will- uh, Jay Will, and Darius Baisley. Yeah. Uh, if That would have been really bold, especially if you had... would shoot 40%. If you just predicted the two guys on the roster and then said, like, you know, two additional guys will just, just do it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say two guys who are two-way players. Um, <laughs> although, I guess, no, Isaiah Joe wasn't 2 No, he's, a, he's been a standard contract, yeah. Um, okay, his next one was SGA will play 75 games this year, which, I mean, he got he was on the right path. He had the right idea that, like, the, Shea, Shea's going to play the entire season. Yeah. But it ended up only being 68 68, games. yeah. Still very good, but yeah. not 75. Yeah. Um, J-Dub, first team all-rookie, which you actually thought was bold at the time. It did seem bold at the time. That is definitely going to be correct. It's happening. Yeah. Amazing. Jay, uh, Josh Giddy will shoot 33% from three. <gasps> he shot 32.5%. Give it to him. I will round up. Give him the point. And then That's a good one, Jay. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans will make the Western Conference Finals. Still to be determined, I guess possible. 
So not, Jay not, actually not won because he yeah. had two points, good which job, is more Jay. than anyone else. Yeah, those are some good ones. And then finally, Luke's predictions. Uh-huh. Uh, the John Hamm storyline in the Progressive Insurance commercial will end on Super Bowl Sunday when it is implied that John Hamm and Flo make love. I believe zero points for that. Yeah. It did not happen. I believe I got extremely angry whenever he <laughs> said that on our Because season. he spent so much time building it up and explaining it. Yeah, he took so much time and I'm like, this is like the season preview show. Like this is like what are we doing? We gotta be locked in. Like it's not August anymore. His next prediction. They're going to make a new NBA award around All-Star Weekend for Worst Dress Coach, and the inaugural winner will be Mark Dayton. <laughs> uh, next prediction, SGA will be traded by Christmas. And final prediction, Dwight Howard will appear in the WWE Royal Rumble, which I did Google to see if that happened, um, and it did not. Yeah. He did appear in a, so, a three-point contest in China, though. Yes, uh, that is true. Um, so in terms of the... Final results. Jay won. Jay Congrats, hit most Jay. of his wow. the most amount of bold predictions. He was pretty close on a third one. So he hit two, got close on a third. Yeah. Final win predictions. This is what I was th- thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Just to see where we come, how, how far we have come. And Luke had him at 20. Taylor had him at 26. You had him at 26. And Jay had him at 27. So no one had him over 27 wins. Yeah. Which... Looking back, I was thinking, I thought someone said like 33 or 34 as like a choose dumb option, but we well, were all like. What did McKellie say? That, did McKellie give one? I, I couldn't find one for McKellie. I'm pretty sure he was in the 30s. Really? Yeah. Well, we got to give him a point for that. That could swing this. McKellie was in the 30s. Like, I, I know he was. Uh, um, yeah. He well, said then, with Chet, I think he said 36 with Chet. And yeah. Then without chat, okay. I think he said like thirty-one or thirty-three. I can't remember which, but I know he was in the thirties. Um. So yeah. So that's that's just perspective for how we as fans, big fans, yeah. we're thinking about this team. And so it's not even something that we can say like, "Hey, you you guys just weren't paying attention," because we were paying attention, and Very these much. were our predictions. Very much so. Yeah, and I mean it's. It's also just kind of crazy how much the team has changed since the beginning of the season. When you look at the the starting lineup and like the rotations that were going on at the time, um, Shea returned for let, here. Let me pick a game that was kind of more into the season. So they played the Bucks and they played them actually pretty close. But their starting lineup was SGA, Dort, Giddy, Poku, and JRE. Yeah. You know, like that's a starting lineup that I don't think that any of us could really fathom, you know, today. Now. Yeah. And then like the the guys that played the most off the bench, Trey Mann played thirty five, almost thirty six minutes in that game against the Bucks. And then like J Dub only played twenty two, Muscala played seventeen, Kenner seventeen, and then like Wiggins and Joe and Baisley just played garbage time. It's it's a testament to what they did on the back end of this roster because that's one of the reasons why we were so focused on Trey Mann coming yeah. in the season and we're initially correct. Like he was getting that kind of the big minute guy off the bench. He yeah. was playing that role and probably would have continued to play that role if they had not bolstered the back end of the bench the way they did. Yeah. But then all of a sudden where you have J-Dub, you have Isaiah Joe, you still have Aaron Wiggins, obviously. 
you have all these options that as the season went on, it became clear that, you know, we need to play these guys over Trey Mann. Yep. Yeah, that was like a huge switch from where we were at the beginning of the season. We were obviously not talking about Isaiah Joe. And even our excitement for J-Dub was – it was still kind of like mild. Like we were impressed with him in preseason saying, hey, this looks like a guy who's like pretty ready to play right now. Yeah. He's probably going to be getting some minutes off the bench. But for him to go from that to 30-minute-per-game starter, obvious first-team all-rookie, we weren't even talking about that really other yeah. than Jay. Shout out to Jay. Yeah, our excitement was pretty muted. Yeah, know, at that time for him. And part of that was because so much of the focus was on Chet. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and I mean, Poku was such a big part of the start of the season too. And who knows? Maybe he could have like kept rolling if he didn't get hurt and didn't break his leg. Um, yeah. But like he was the like cemented starter. Like even into December, the starting lineup, like J Dub had taken over the the starting spot, but it was still Poku that started instead of J Will. I mean, J Will did not really get inserted into this lineup until like twenty twenty three. You know, it was not. Yeah, because really like I mean, and the early returns when he start, just started getting some spot minutes weren't great, and so we were kind of like, oh, I guess it'll be back to Jerry whenever he comes back. Yeah. And so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Going into next season, if you had to predict right now, mm-hmm. the three guys who feel like they're on the outside of the rotation that we thought were going to be in the rotation at the start of the season, Poku, Jerry, Trey Mann, mm-hmm. which of those three do you have to think have the best chance to be playing even a small role next season? I guess I'll still say Poku because they want to figure out what they've got. You know, I don't know that he gets an extension this summer, but I think that this really kind of his last like real look, you know, yeah. where like, and he still has like a little bit of upside just because of his just unusual skill set. Um, but like you look at the role of like Trey, like Trey's got to have just a crazy good summer. Same for Jeremiah. Like those guys just have to have like really, really great summers in order to like really make it. Cause I mean, when Jeremiah's mm-hmm. out there, you just kind of feel like, What's he doing? Like, what is like, what does he do for this team? Is kind of what I think. You know, what does he do to like really accentuate this team? Like, he's just kind of a a placeholder guy that'll shoot corner threes and be a decent defender, but he's not a great defender. Um, I, I think he might be the have, get the most benefit out of Chet being back. Sure, because I think it's clear that Jerry is not a center. Like he, he doesn't really offer you any rim protection. And the thing that he does do well defensively, moving his feet on the perimeter for a big, he doesn't get to do that a lot when he's playing at the five. Maybe next year, if he's playing backup four minutes or something, and he's paired with Chet, yeah, all of a sudden he makes more sense on this team. Obviously, the shot still has to come back. Yeah, that's but a good maybe point. he would make more sense in that backup four role because he would offer some much needed size. For, for different matchups. Yeah. Yeah. But just, who knows? Yeah. And then it's just, you have to ask the question like, can Jay Will and Chet play together? You know, or is like Jay Will destined to be like a backup center, you know, for yeah. this team that just plays spot minutes behind Chet? Yeah. You know, I mean, Trey's going to get more chances, I think, but he's got to be pretty good from the jump. I think the scariest thing for Trey, hopefully he's not looking at mock drafts because it feels like in this range where the Thunder are going to be, it is all combo guards. So many guards. It's just a flood of combo guards who could potentially be, 
Trey Mann replacement if the Thunder really liked one of them. Yeah, and they're all kind of falling, like Kaysen Wallace and Nick Smith and Keontae George, you know, Jalen Hood, Scafino. I don't necessarily like any of those guys all that much. I probably like Keontae George the most out of that whole group. But, yeah, they're all combo guards that have, like, better size than Trey. So, yeah, I don't know what they do if that's where they – you know, if they land at 11 or 12 or wherever it is. Yeah, like I'm starting not... at 11, I'm looking at uh, Gavoni's mock from today. Mm-hmm. Jordan Hawkins, Nick Smith Jr., Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace, Jalen hood Shafino, then Noah Clowney, who's power forward, Jet Howard, yeah. uh, Bryce Sensabaugh. I guess he's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just so many of those, you know, the point guard slash shooting guard, mm-hmm. how they're listed on here. Mm-hmm. Just all in a row. Oh, there's also a guy named Kobe Bufkin who we're going to talk Kobe about. Kobe Bufkin, yeah. He's a little bit further down in this one, but yes, he is at 22 on this one. Maybe the best name in the draft, Kobe Bufkin. Bufkin. I'd probably I probably. I think we could have some fun with that last name. Would you buy a Bufkin jersey? I might. I might I might buy a Bufkin shirt if we can make one. Yeah. We need to if we if we draft Kobe Bufkin, you better you better believe we're making a Bufkin shirt. <laughs> Such a great name. Oh my gosh, I love that name. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, give me your official Al Baby Cakes prediction for the playing game tonight before we go. Um, I'm going to take the Pelicans, and I will say it'll be – I mean, all these games are close. So I'll say 105.99. Okay. <sighs> I'm going to take the Thunder tonight. I think Final score, Andrew. I think they're going to win 108-104. Okay. Hey, hold us to it, folks. Hold, if we get it wrong. Hold us to it. Yeah, if we get it wrong. Let us know. Send sh- us a bunch of DMs. Shame us in our DMs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, enjoy the game tonight. It's it's Just enjoy it. Whatever happens, it's not going to determine the uh, the direction of this franchise. You know, and just like, no, like, if they lose... It's like the outcome is, oh, boo-hoo, they get a lottery pick. You know, like they get a pretty good pick. Um, And if they win two games, they don't get the lottery pick, but they get playoff experience. I mean, to me, there's not any like truly awful outcome here for this team. Um, So just enjoy that. Just enjoy the fact that, um, you know, this is a... This is a fun team. This is a fun young team. This is supposed to be the fun part of being a fan of a team like this. So um, enjoy it tonight, and uh, we will talk to you guys again on Friday.